Let us proclaim the good news of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you're visiting with us today. And we'd love to have you pass the friendship pad. It's a black folder that's on each one of the rows near the center aisle. Pass it down the row and let everybody sign it so that we know who's here with us today. You can see the announcements that are in the connections. In just a couple of weeks, on June 4th, we're having our annual choir concert. It's at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and we also have the bells, the choir, and I see something special from the youth and a piece that includes a shofar. So it's going to be quite a concert coming up in a couple of weeks. You don't need to sign up or get tickets. Just invite your friends and come. Also, as part of our celebration of our 100th anniversary this year, uh, this month we are focusing on our art history and our art legacy. And you, there are some art pieces that are available to help celebrate that. And notice that next month, at the end of the month, the last Sunday in June, we're celebrating all of the weddings that have taken place here. If you know anybody who was married here, make sure you invite them. We, we've discovered it's very hard to find those records and find where those people are from many, many years ago. Uh, so if you know anybody, do invite them to come to worship on the last Sunday of June because we're going to be celebrating all those people who were married here. Maybe you have kids or even grandkids who were married here and try to get them here that day. Uh, you can also see that our book talk group is meeting this Tuesday. We're dis discussing a book about refugees from Vietnam, Where the Wind Leads. It's a great book. And even if you haven't started it, you can read it that fast. It's a very quick read. And our children are signing up for Vacation Bible School and for Camp H2O this summer. Uh, this week also, we announced the passing of Isabel Posner, a longtime member of our church and Kathy Shoemaker, who passed away on Thursday. So the service for Kathy will be June 24th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. We pray together. Lord, we come into your presence because you invite us to come. You invite us to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy to help in time of need and struggle and grief. We come into your presence this day as your people. You have incorporated us into your body. You've given us eyes and ears and hands and feet. You've called us to serve you with every dimension of your gifts. So we bring ourselves into your presence in response to your initiative in our lives. Empower us, illumine us, prepare us for your mission in the world, we ask in your name, amen. Please join me for our call to worship. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Happy are the people who know the festal shout. 
who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. They exalt in your name all day long and extol your righteousness. For you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God. Come now, fount of every blessing, to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise his name, I Yeah. 
psalmist calls us to tell the truth about ourselves to the Lord. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and answer me. I am troubled in my complaint. I am distraught by the noise of the enemy because of the clamor of the wicked, for they bring trouble upon me. And in anger they cherish enmity against me. But I call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Oh, my Lord, my companion laid hands on a friend and violated a covenant with me. butter, but with a heart set on war, with war, with words that were softer than oil, but in fact were drawn swords. Only a friend can betray a friend, a stranger has nothing to close enough to ever cause so much pain. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Loving God, help us when we have been betrayed. Forgive us when we have betrayed. Merciful God, help us to look beyond our hypocrisy and deceit to your throne of grace and there to lay our burdens down. We trust in your covenant of unfailing love, revealed to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. So hear now the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home. God is faithful still. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to open the New Testament part of the Bible to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22 and then in Acts chapter 1 the story of Judas and Jesus and the church continues. Luke 22 verse 1. Now the festival of unleavened bread which is called the Passover was near. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put Jesus to death, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers of the temple police about how he might betray him to them. They were greatly pleased and agreed to give him money. So he consented and began to look for an opportunity to betray him to them when no crowd was present. In verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took a loaf of bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to ask one another, which one of them it could be who would do this? We know that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then when he realized what he had done, he took his own life. Tragically. And so the church was called to reconstitute itself, to reorganize itself around the twelve. Judas needed to be replaced. Acts 1 verse 15, in those days Peter stood up among the believers to gather the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their language, Halkeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead become desolate and let there be no one to live in it and let another take his position of overseer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, in humility we come into your presence this morning. We join with your disciples at your table. We know that in many different ways that we have betrayed you, as did the original twelve. We know that we live by the forgiveness of our sins, and we thank you that you are still with us. Even in those times when we have been faithless, you remain faithful to us. This morning we celebrate the faithfulness of God. So bless your word this morning, and as we listen, may we be prepared to come to your table. 
In your name we pray. Amen. The table before us this morning is the table of our Lord. Christians from north and south and east and west, whatever their religious denomination, whatever their understanding of the meaning of this table, nevertheless we all come to the table of the Lord. This is a table modeled after the Old Testament Exodus story, the Passover feast. Remember that Israel gathered once a year at Passover season. And families gathered to eat the Passover meal. And it was carefully prepared, the lamb, the bread, the wine, all of it. It was as if all the hands of the family touched the elements on that table. The old covenant was established. When Jesus gathered with the twelve in the upper room in Jerusalem, on that last week of his earthly life, he gathered at the Passover festival season, and he took the disciples up to the, to the room where the Passover meal had been prepared. And there he began to speak to them as he took the bread into his hands and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, do this in remembrance of me. The words of the institution of the Lord's Supper. And likewise, he took the cup, said, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We believe that this is the table of the Lord and that His Spirit is present and we, by means of faith, receive these elements of the bread and the cup and we welcome them into our lives. We take our hands and our fingerprints are all over these elements and at the appropriate time we place the elements into our mouths, and they become a part of our body, even as we welcome the presence of the living Lord into our lives. But Jesus said something that was very disturbing to the twelve as they were gathered. Each of the gospel tells us the story of Judas Jesus said to them, after they had been eating the, eating the bread and the other elements of this table, one of you will betray me. And his hand is on the table. I've never thought very much about these words of Jesus the focus is so much on the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it was in the upper room that the twelve gathered together to celebrate this meal. And central to that meal was the awareness that Jesus had that one of his twelve, one of those chosen by him to be with him and to share in his mission, one of them would betray him. He listened to the conversation around the table in which they were all debating amongst themselves which one of them was the greatest. And he knew at the very end he had a problem with those disciples. The betrayer could have been any one of them. And the truth is, the fingerprints of Simon Peter were all over the elements of the table. The truth is that the fingerprints of Thomas, the doubter, were all over those elements. And he was the one who later would not place his hand, his fingers, into Jesus' side after he had been resurrected. The fingerprints of James and John who had debated amongst themselves which one of them was the greatest. Their hands were at the table. <clears throat> 
But significantly, there was that 12th disciple, Judas of Iscariot, who was also at table, who had been troublesome to Jesus right along. As they talked amongst themselves, which of them might betray Jesus? His hand on the table. Judas left the room. And in another gospel, it says that Jesus said to him, go do what you have to do and do it quickly. Judas left the room while the others continued to discuss this. Which one of them was the weak link in the chain? This past week in Jerusalem, become keenly aware of the powerful symbol of the human hand. Do you ever thought about your hands? A few years ago, I was over at Mission Hospital of Mission Viejo, and as I was coming out of a patient's room visiting them, the nurse caught me in the hallway. And she cornered me, and she pointed to the wall to a poster that was there, and then she gave me a lecture on how important it was that I wash my hands. And so now there's, there's an antiseptic dispenser in every room and in every hallway because we are aware that germs, invisible germs, are passed on from hand to hand. We've all become aware of that on Fridays at noon in our Rotary Club. We sing together. And we greet one another and we shake hands and we go around the room and then we turn to our dinner tables where we take the bottle of antiseptic and spray it on our hands and begin to massage them as if we needed to get rid of the germs that our fellow Rotarians had blessed us with. In certain flu seasons around here, many of us feel more comfortable with bumping our elbows as we greet one another rather than shaking hands out of consideration for the invisible power of touch. There's a spirituality about hands. We do many good things with our hands. Go without your hands for a while, and you will discover how dependent you are on your hands. Paul talked about the hand and the fingers and the ears and the eyes, the various parts of our body that one cannot say to the other part of the body, I have no need of you. We need our hands. And if you've lost your hand in some way, it is a blessing to have a device attached to your body that will give you the power to pick up things. And so I've been thinking about the importance of hands. The trip to Jerusalem brought it home to me. I was literally amazed at the multitudes of pilgrims in Jerusalem. Big busloads of Christians from India, from all the nations of Asia, from Australia and New Zealand, from Europe, to North and South America, Christians of every stripe, people dressed in their national garbs, all coming to worship in Jerusalem to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is ground zero for the Christian faith, where we remember together and become one with the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. I had forgotten there are so many stairs in the Holy Land. If it had not been for Ed Sauls and Warren Cannon, I don't think I would have made it up and down some of those stairs. Beginning in Megiddo, 200 steps straight down into the earth, 100 steps back up to get out of the water tunnel, and by then, that was a parable of the rest of the trip. So we went into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. As you turn to the right, you ascend Mount Calvary that is built under one of the domes of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. 
You have to climb to the second level. And some of us needed help. There were no banisters to hold on to. The, the stairs were of unequal <coughs> height. And they were slippery. Thank God my two brothers kind of helped stabilize me, got me there. I got to the central altar where there's an altar table there, a table of the Lord, not unlike this. And under that table, there is a hole in the marble. And pilgrims from everywhere come and get on their knees and place their arms and their hand down that deep hole to touch the place where the cross of Jesus was lifted up and stabilized in that marble. It's Golgotha. I took my hat off, placed it on the altar. The priest there immediately challenged me to take my hat off the altar. I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> Finally, I got down on my knees. Not knowing what to expect, remembering James Martin, the Jesuit priest, putting his hand down that hole only to be stunned and to withdraw it as quickly as he could. The hole seemed really deep. And I wondered, will I be able to touch the bottom? And finally my hand and my fingers landed on the bottom. And I had what I can only describe as a precious gift given that I had not earned or deserved, but sort of a mystical experience of touching the hem of his garment. And remembering the picture that my spiritual director had given me of Jesus hanging on the cross with a monk down below lifting his eyes and his hands up to Jesus and Jesus looking down upon the man, reaching out his love for the man. And all I could pray in that moment in the midst of inner chaos and awareness that I was in the presence of the holy, all I could pray was, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I felt like one of those folks who in the midst of the crowds of people had worked their way to Jesus only to touch the hem of his garment with their hand. And Jesus was aware that power had flowed from him and they were healed. It was a holy moment. And all I pray was, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm in the presence of an authority and a power, of the power of love, of grace, Enjoy that I have barely experienced in my life. I live in my head most of the time, and I pray every day, and I try to think it through. My spiritual director said, Jerry, God gave you a great gift, and you need to write this story into the story of your own salvation. Because to be at that place is to be at the place that is ground zero of the good news of the gospel. Not everyone has that experience. First time I've had that experience. But I'm so grateful for it. And a few minutes later, our group had moved back down into the area of the sepulcher where Jesus' body was placed. It's not there, folks. He is risen. He's risen indeed. But as we were standing in that long line with people from every nation, I noticed that there was a circular window in the dome of another chapel of that huge church. 
And the sun of our solar system had moved just to the place where a huge sunbeam was shining directly on the tomb where the body of Jesus had been laid. And what that light said to me by means of my own whatever inspired imagination was that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. His light of love and truth and justice has shined into our world, into the darkness. And our world at this time so much needs to be illumined by that light, to be touched with enough humility to know that at the cross, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life to be touched by the love of God and to be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and his light shining in the world. I thought of John's words in 1 John chapter 1 where he said, we proclaim to you that which was from the beginning, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have heard with our ears, and that which we have touched with our hands of the word of life. And we make this declaration of the gospel, of having been caught up into the presence of the God of love and light. We make this proclamation that this is the foundation of all reality. And that place in Jerusalem, to be sure, it's a holy place. But throughout the history of the church, wherever God's people have gathered and broken the bread and come to the table and drank from the cup and listened to the word, those places have become holy places. And this morning, the presence of the living, resurrected Christ is at this table and his fingerprints are all over this loaf of bread as are the fingerprints of those who have prepared this meal and all who were touched it this morning when we are invited to come to the table this morning and you take that piece of bread and dip it in the cup, please allow our pastor and elder to touch your hand with their hand because it is in that experience of being touched, humanly speaking, by the love of God that we are made whole. The turbulence surrounding you These trying times are so hard to endure In the middle of what seems to be your darkest hour Hold fast to your heart and be assured this too shall pass like every night before it he'll never give you more than you can bear this too shall pass so in this thought be comforted it's in his hand This too shall pass The Father knows The tears you cry before they fall He feels your pain His heart and yours are one Oh yeah But with his strength, you'll carry on. This too shall pass, like every night.
Let us pray. Almighty God, all good things come from you. With gratitude, we return to you what is yours. You created all that is and with love formed us in your image. And when our love faltered, your love remained steadfast. And you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. As your church continue to give us a heart to serve and love you, Enable us to show our thanksgivings for all of your goodness and mercy by giving ourselves up to your service and cheerfully submitting to all things in your blessed will. Through Jesus our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is the table, and here our hands are united. And every one of our fingerprints, of all humanity really, are on this table Jesus reminded his disciples that people will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. And here he promises to touch us, to heal us, to forgive us, to make us whole, to lift us up, to strengthen us. We come in that spirit then to touch his life. And to pray, Lord, touch me with the hand of your authority and your power, your holy presence at your table. Let us give thanks. Gracious God, it is with hearts full of praise that we come to this table which your hands have spread before us. As if it were not enough to make the world beautiful and intricate, you gave the kiss of life to the dust of earth. 
You made us in your image, and so we bless you for the gifts of creation. As if it were not enough to care for your world at a distance, you made covenant with your people. When we rejected you, you did not reject us. You loved us still and sent your son to share our human condition, to live and walk beside us, to be obedient to the point of death on a cross. By his dying and rising, he releases us and all creation from bondage to sin. He makes us right with you and with one another. And so we bless you for your love for us in Jesus Christ. As if it were not enough to be looked at and listened to, you invite us to feast at your very table. And so we bless you, God of our salvation. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take this bread and this cup and celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and the cup, so that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Accept this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving as a living and holy offering of ourselves, that our lives may proclaim the one crucified and risen. And so with the confidence of the children of God, we pray as you have taught us, saying, Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body given for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. In like manner, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Praise be to God that the print of our hands are mixed together with the print of the hands of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who in strange and mysterious ways touches our lives and brings wholeness to us. Thanks be to God. This morning as you come, and take the piece of bread and dip it in the cup. Allow one of our pastors or elders simply to touch your hand. To affirm that we are one, one people, one body, touched by the love of Christ. Amen. Would our elders please come? And the ushers will... Let us drink wine together all. 
When I fall on my knees With my face to the rising sun Oh Lord, Lord, have mercy on me Let us praise God together on our knees Let us praise God together on our knees. When I fall on my knees, with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Let us drink wine together on our knees. Let us drink wine together on our knees. When I fall on my knees, with my face to the rising sun. Oh, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now praise God together on our knees let us praise God together on our knees when I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun
morning as we uh, sing and end our service just in here of worship together, before we begin our service of worship into the world, we're going to sing Blessed Assurance, but we're just going to sing verse 1, but we're going to sing the refrain twice. And Eva's going to lead us on the piano. The band will join in. And church, let's sing this blessed assurance with all that we have. Let's stand together. so we raise holy hands in thanksgiving for the goodness of God and the assurance that comes to us through the cross and through the empty tomb of Jesus. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So the apostle could say, I've become absolutely convinced that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Nothing. Go forth in that assurance with holy hands to declare what you have seen and heard and touched of the word of life. Amen. Thank you. 